Um, and I'm going to I'm going to continue the sermon series that we started um, back a couple of weeks ago. We're walking. You guys rushing to get it. Thank you. Got some good servants here. I know that's how much you all love me. That's awesome. Um, man, we got some great servants here at City Chapel. Uh, anyway, uh, I want to continue the sermon series that we started uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, last week, we started a sermon series through the book of First John. So if you have not got your Bible reading in, um, you are going to get it in uh, right now. Uh, we're going to read uh, about a chapter. We made it We made it through chapter 1 last week, and we got into chapter 2. We're going to finish up chapter 2, and we're going to get into chapter 3. And um, really, the whole theme of this sermon series is alignment. Uh, alignment. Alignment means uh, to, to, be in, to be in agreement or to come into formation uh, with something. And I believe that uh, the best kind of alignment that we could reach as a people is to come into agreement with God. Um, in fact, uh, I, I got the idea for this sermon series um, because I was uh, going to a chiropractor the past month. Uh, a member of our church, a uh, family in our church, Freddie and uh, Greg, they own a chiropractic uh, practice in Kyle. So if you need you know, free, free commercial for Freddie and Greg, go check them out. Um, and uh, they, they've, they've been kind of trying to adjust my back a bit. And what I've noticed is that as they've been, you know, cracking my back and spine and stuff, uh, it's been really, it's been great because I, I haven't had any headaches since then. I was having about one or two headaches a week um, prior to that. But one, but one thing that, that they say in, in chiropractic, it was invented, I think it was officially invented in 1895. One of the things that they say is that what has the power to make the body, the body has the power to heal the body. And um, this, of course, is, is applicable, you know, physically, I think, uh, that um, basically what they're trying to do is, is create clear channels for the brain to be able to speak to different parts of the body. God created your body in such a way that it was designed to heal itself. It was designed to deal with different issues that it was going to face. If there was an infection, it's designed to get that infection out, and uh, that's called a fever. And it feels bad, but that fever is trying to burn up that infection. And uh, I had a fever this week, so it's not fun. Uh, and many of us are down. Many, many of our folks are down this week with fever and flu and all sorts of nastiness. But your body is equipped to deal with that and to fight that and to, and to get it out of your system. Um, you know, that's kind of what the flu is. It's just, you know, getting it out of your system. Uh, you're, you're, God created your body so amazingly that if your brain has the ability to receive signals from an organ or from a piece or part of your body, then that brain can deal with that issue, send the right antibodies and, and, and all of that. And, and so what he's trying to do, what the chiropractor has been trying to do is he's been trying to clear up the channel uh, of communication because your spine is basically the highway of communication between your brain and every other part of your body. And so if there's some kind of sickness or some kind of headache or some kind of pain in your body, a lot of times um, it seems, according to chiropractors, that it has to do with the alignment of your spine. And so that just got me thinking, of course, as a preacher, that, man, we need to come into alignment with Jesus. We need to come into alignment with God because, because he is our head. The Bible calls him the head of the church, and we, we are his body. And so any kind of death in our life is, I believe, a result of, of not hearing the word of God, of blocking the word of God out. If your marriage is falling apart, it's because you're not hearing the word of God about your marriage. And, and so many times as we, when, when, when my wife and I do marriage counseling, the primary objective is to try to align you and get you into a place where you can hear the word of God over your marriage, not the word of Harry and Roe. Because what we say, you know, I mean, it's our opinion. But when, you, when, when the word of God speaks to you, it changes things. If you, could, if you could allow God to speak and uh, speak to you about your sexuality, speak to you about your habits, speak to you about your relationships, speak to you about your children and about your friends and about your, your college and about every area of your life and your job, when the word of God comes to you, it brings healing, it brings life, it brings fullness, it brings wholeness. What you really need is the word of God in your life. And that's why it's important to come to church, because we open up the Word of God. But, but more than that, what I, what, what I want from these next few weeks is for you to come into alignment or agreement with what God is saying in your life. And you say, yes, I agree with that, and I adopt that, and I start to change. I start to align my, my spirit, right? Because it's, 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 it's kind of like my spine. It's all kind of bent out of shape. And there's stuff that has happened in our lives that has knocked our spiritual spine 
you know, out of alignment. And so the word of God just massages and, and, and you know, stretches and kind of snap, crackle, pops a little bit. Our, our, our ways of thinking in order to align us with God so that he can bring healing to every area of our lives, to our finances, to our, to our, to our relationships, to everything. It all comes down to opening up the channels to being able to hear from God. If you could hear from God, everything would change in a moment. I mean, when he speaks to you, it just, it just shifts. It shifts things. Sometimes it brings physical healing. We, we had someone healed from cancer with a report this week. They were healed from cancer. And we're excited about that. Because the word of God says that she is healed by his stripes, that she's already been healed. And so we claim the word of God and her body wasn't in alignment with that uh, about a month and two months and three months and six months ago. But now it's coming to alignment and it's lining up with, with, with healing that God already spoke over that. And so we're excited about that. And that's, this, 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 is, this is how you can live. You can live according to the word of God. You can walk according to the word of God. You can, you can speak according to the word of God. And so, and so what we're doing is we're looking at the, the book of 1 John. This is a letter, one of the last letters actually written, one of the last uh, books of the Bible ever written. It was by the oldest apostle and um, one of the last things that he ever wrote to the church. And it's not addressed to any particular church. It was meant to be spread around and shared with, with, with various churches all around Christendom. And, 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 it's, and it's his almost, almost like his farewell letter to the church. And in his farewell letter he's bringing the the church he's the oldest the last living apostle he's like the grandfather of the faith it's about 95 a.d and he's writing to them to bring them into alignment because they had begun to get out of alignment there was a uh, a heresy that was starting to sprout up around christians and was gaining some popularity among the churches and and it's it was is known as gnosticism and, and and john is specifically writing against that and he's dealing with that. And so last week, man, uh, we, we got into some heavy stuff because John just tells it like it is. Uh, last week, he said, uh, when, when we read, he, he said, he said uh, uh, if, if, you, if you say that you walk with God, but you walk in darkness, then you're lying. <laughs> you're a liar. So John just likes to smack you upside the head every now and then just tell it like it is. Uh, because he's trying to bring alignment. That's kind of what chiropractors do. You know, they take your neck and they push it a little bit further than it should, and then it pops, and he's like, okay, that feels good. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to bring us into alignment. Uh, he's dealing with his false doctrine. And so we're going to pick up where we left off last week um, in verse 12. In verse 12 of 1 John 2. Are we, are we working yet? Oh, cool. Nice. Uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 12 says, I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. Uh, I, I'm writing to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. Now, this sounds like he's repeating himself, because he is. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Man, talk about some good affirmation. We're going to get back to that in a minute. Uh, verse 15 says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires will pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. And this is how we know that it is the last hour. In fact, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Well, we'll just you can apply that to your own life. <laughs> Those who went out from you weren't really... Anyway, I think, what is it, what is it, Medea says, some people are, are branches and some people are leaves. Honey, you got to let the leaves just fall. They're going to be with you for a season. Then you just got to let them go. That's my Medea impression. I actually met Medea. I actually met the real guy one time. That's my claim to fame. Um, anyway, <laughs> verse 20, but you have an anointing. This is, not, this is not you. In other words, he's saying, I'm not, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about those false teachers. I'm not talking about you. You have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it. And because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist. 
denying the Father and the Son, because no one who denies the Son can have the Father. Whoever acknowledges the, is, whoever acknowledges the Son has also the Father. As for you, see that you see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. We're going to touch on that in a minute. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he has promised us, eternal life. Going on to verse 26. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you received from him, there's that word again, remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing is teaching you, about all things, and, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, here it is, remain in him. And now, dear children, continue, kind of similar to remain, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. I'm going to stop right there and just pray. We'll see how far we can get today. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the spiritual alignment that the Apostle John is bringing to the church. And I thank you those words are still applicable to us today. Lord, open up your word to us. May we see, may we hear, may we know uh, Jesus Christ today. He is the central figure of even this book. And uh, we desire to know him even better. So open up our eyes and bring us into alignment. In Jesus' name, amen. Do we have any words of encouragement, people out there? You, you, you just love it when people compliment you and encourage you. And in fact, you, you feel down if, if people don't, don't. You don't need to raise your hand because it's, you know, it's a private thing. Okay, words of encouragement, man. You, you, you are awesome. You are awesome, man. You're just, you're, you're awesome. See, it's, it's words of encouragement. I'm giving you words of encouragement. Uh, I am not a words of encouragement person. You don't need to compliment me. I don't really um, get that much out of it. When people tell me I'm awesome, I'm like, well, yeah, that's true. You know? <laughs> Captain Obvious. Uh, not exactly. I mean, it's nice. It's nice to hear it. But, uh, but honestly, you know, um, I married uh, a, a lady who is very much a words of encouragement person. And so if any of you are married to a words of encouragement person, you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. Because, like, you know, she needs me to compliment her and to tell her, like, like good job for this. And I recognize this and I notice this. Like she, like, that, that, she, like, she really needs that. I don't really need that because I'm kind of a, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. So I'm just going to get it done kind of person. But, um, I mean, I, I have other needs, but, but she has the need of just verbal affirmation. And what's funny is our kids are pretty similar because um, our, our oldest, uh, Madden, she's seven years old. She takes after me. And so she, she, she's, a, she's a gifted artist. Like, you know, she's like Picasso or something. She's really amazing. I'm not biased at all. She's just, you know, no. Um, but she, she draws stuff and things. And I'll say, oh, honey, that's so good. And she'll be like, yeah, 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 it is. And, and you know, but she's always finding the, 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 the thing that was wrong about it. And that's so me. I mean, I'm always like, 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 like people say, oh, it was a wonderful sermon. I'm like, yeah, I went a little long or I went a little, you know. Yeah, you don't need to amen at that point. No, no. But I'll, I'll, I'll nitpick it. You guys just compliment. Um, but, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of, that, that's me. I'm very much like Madden. Well, Micah is very much like Roe. And so Micah, like, you know, like in every morning he loves his granola bars, or as he calls them, nola bars. He's four, and uh, he'll bring his nola bar to, to me, and uh, he, he needs me to open it. And so, you know, he'll stand there, and I'll, and I'll I'm try to wake up, you know, because I, I don't wake up very easily. It, I'm a, it's a process. And, uh, you know, so he hands me his, his nola bar, so I, I take it, and so I, I open it. And then, and then, and then he'll ask me, um, was that good holding? I'm like, yeah, I did a good job holding, son, you know, and he smiles, you know, because he needs that. Like, he'll be on the toilet. He'll need, he still needs me to give him a little wipe every now and then when he does number two. And uh, just got to keep it real in church. And so I'll go give him a wipe, and, you know, and, and then he'll always ask me, was that good pooping? And I'm like, and then, like, sometimes I want to say, no, that was the worst poop job I've ever seen in my life. I don't know how anybody could make such a mess in the toilet. You know, yeah, good job, son. Good job, poopy. You know, I mean, you just, like, he's looking for verbal affirmation all the time. You know, was that good walking? Was that good running? Was that good standing? You know, it's like everything he's wanting to know. Was it good? <laughs> and, uh, but this, this is what I feel like uh, John is doing here in this letter, at the opening pieces of this letter. He's, he's starting off with affirmation. I mean, read, let's, 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 let's just go back to, to, to verse 12. I'm writing to you, dear children, because... 
your sins have been forgiven. I'm writing, and he, 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 he multiplies. He says the same thing multiple times. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you, you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. What amazing affirmation from this, this great apostle. I mean, if, you, if I got a letter from the apostle John that read something like that, I would be, you know, beaming. I would be like, wow, this is, this is amazing. This is, this is affirmation. And I think, and I, and I think what John is trying to do is he he's he's not trying to butter them up because he's being very direct, and being very honest about about the alignment that needs to happen in their thinking and in and in their practice. He's he's warning them against things that are to come and things all that kind of thing. But at the same time, he's doing it from a position of belief. He says, "I am I'm telling you these things because I believe in." I'm telling you these things because your sins are forgiven. I'm telling you these things because you are righteous, because you have overcome the evil one, because you have an anointing, because the word of God remains in you. I mean, over and over again in chapter 2, he is affirming and affirming and affirming and affirming. And, and as I read that this week, I, I, you know, I, I just kind of thought, I'm like, man, yeah, that's exactly why I'm preaching this. That's why I'm preaching alignment, because... I believe that if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, that your sins are forgiven. You've overcome the evil one. If you, I've, I've, I've been walking with, with several of you over the past year since we started this church. And I'm trying to bring you into alignment because I'm proud of you. Because I think you're doing an awesome job. Because like I, like I, I talked to people here over 90 days sober, sober. Actually, I think over 100 now. Over 100 days sober. We've got somebody else who's over 30 days sober, I know. And somebody else who I think is over a week sober and uh, and that's awesome that's awesome like, i celebrate that i believe like like you you need to be around people who see the gold in you you know what i'm saying so if they challenge you it's because they see what's inside of you it's because they see greatness in you not so that they'll see greatness in you <laughs> see too often we We've been around churches, and I'm for, I, I believe in the local church. I believe the church is the hope of the world. But there are some unhealthy places that many of you have been. And I understand that as I stand up here and talk to you, that, that as, soon as, as soon as Pastor Harry starts talking about, well, we need to get into alignment, you're, you're, you're like, oh, no, what's, what's, you know, what's the catch? What's he going to say now? What's he going to try to make us do or manipulate us into doing? I understand that because, unfortunately, um, I've reaped that, right? Like in, in 2016, I've reaped a whole lot of 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 stuff where people were not they didn't see the gold in people they just saw the bad in them and they tried to get the bad out they just tried to get what they thought was wrong they tried to cover shame not uncover gold <laughs> and so they put rules on people and regulations on people and try to manipulate people into doing what they need to do you know and and I understand that. And so I understand that some, some of you are probably kind of like, well, I uh, hope he doesn't talk about money. Um, I hope he doesn't talk about, uh, you know, my personal life. And I, I'll just, you know, just wait right here and just see. And, and, and I want you to know that affirmation and alignment can happen in the, at the exact same time. That I am trying to bring you into alignment and greater alignment with God because I believe in what God is doing in your life, because I see what God is doing in your life, and I and I and I and I and I want Him to continue that. I want it to grow. I want it to get greater. I want even more freedom for you, even more chains to fall off, even more hope to spring up inside of you for a better tomorrow. I believe in you. I'm doing it because, and I don't want something from you. I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. And there's a difference. Well, anyway, there's a difference between somebody who wants something from you and somebody who wants something for you. And in this Valentine's Day, if your Valentine just wants something from you, you need to ditch that Valentine and find somebody who wants something for you. This is good preaching right here. You don't need people who just want something from you. It's not healthy. Sometimes we get so so used to unhealthy relationships that we, when we walk into a healthy one, we're like, oh, oh what, 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 what? No, 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 it's not. I want something for you because, because you're awesome, because God created you unique and he's got a plan for your life. And that's really it. That's the bottom line. But I understand we come from all sorts of church backgrounds and sometimes people didn't do things right. And sometimes it was an accident. Sometimes it was on purpose. But, but either way, we got a bad taste in our mouth sometimes when it comes to alignment, when it comes to correction. We're like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I. We start defending ourselves because we've been used to people who just want something from us. 
And so sometimes you might misunderstand what I'm saying. I just want to be clear, like John is clear. I just want to be clear. I'm writing, I'm preaching because I believe your sins have been forgiven, because you've already overcome the evil one, because his word is in you, because you're anointed, because he's got a plan for your life. That's, that's, that's really it. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I just, remembered, just remembered something. Um, this might be funny to some. Uh, me and Roe were, were preaching two weeks ago, and um, we were preaching about, I was preaching, she was sitting there um, watching me, um, while I was going off on this, on this, on this, I, I get fired up about the word of God sometimes. And, uh, there was a word in scripture that, that, that meant to be a politician. And we were talking about relationships and I was talking about, don't be a politician in your relationships. And, uh, JT's probably laughing because he knows, he knows where I'm going with this. Um, you, you know, don't be a politician in your relationship. In other words, don't go around looking for votes. Don't go around trying to get people to puff you up. And, 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 and also don't be fake. Don't, don't put on a show and try to get votes. Be a politician. And, and I know not all politicians are bad and evil or anything like that. But when it comes to relationships, I mean, if you are a politician, be a politician. But when it comes to relationships, you know, drop the politician stuff and just be real is what I was preaching. And, and, and as I was preaching, I said, you know, a lot of politicians, like they go around looking for votes. They, they, they make promises they're not going to, they're not going to keep. And I said, they go to Iowa and try to get people to, 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 you know, to, to, to vote for them. And, and afterward, uh, we had, we had a, a awesome family in our church who moved to Iowa, like, you know, six months ago. Afterward, Roe was like, that wasn't very nice what you said about, about them. And I said, I didn't say anything about them. What are you talking about? And she said, well, you know, going to Iowa. And I was like, this is two weeks ago, okay? I said, the Iowa caucuses are tomorrow night, babe. I'm talking about politics. Like, this is why you didn't get your green card for two years. Because you don't like, come on, man. Watch Fox or CNN or something. I mean, Facebook. You heard about it. I wasn't talking about them at all. They're not politicians. They're not looking for votes. They're awesome people. We love them. We love all Iowans, in fact. They're all lovely and wonderful people. And, you know, Donald Trump's going to buy a ranch there. He loves them so much. He is what he said. Anyway, I don't know about all that. So just, just in case you thought I was talking about a certain family that moved to Iowa, I wasn't. We love Mark and Blue. They are awesome. They are lovely people. Yeah, but this is what happens, though. People get so used to pastors kind of coding things and saying certain stuff and reading between the lines and all this kind of thing, and it's just not the case. Look, we want Mark and Blue to follow God's plan for their life. I want you to follow God's plan. And if that means moving to Iowa, move to Iowa. Like, do what God calls you to do. It's not about my church. It's not about this this, this thing. It's not, it's not about that. It's about you. I believe in you. So anyway, that's it. That's it. That's it. Is it. All right. I'm affirming you. I'm affirming you. Uh, I could keep going, but I'll, I'll, I'll not do it. Um, 15, do not love the world or anything in the world. Let's go ahead and go on into that. If anyone loves the world, now this is warning again. All right. He's affirming them, but he's saying, look, you know, it's not, you, you need to be careful because anybody can slip up. Anybody can fall. So you need to understand that the love of the world is the problem. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, look at these three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. When, whenever we read lust, we often think, you know, sexual stuff. But that's not really what he's talking about. He's talking about strong desire, strong desire of the flesh. Now, this can be food. This can be uh, drugs. This, this can be anything that feeds your flesh that isn't Jesus. And you have a strong, it's fine to desire those things. I like food. I just, I just do. I was, I was, I was born that way. Okay. This is, you know, uh, just being me. I love pizza. I love good food. I love, I love good pizza too. Don't, not a little Caesar stuff. I like deep dish, a lot of, in, mm, anyway. Um, what? You receive it. All right. Don't ever play yourself. Don't ever. Um, <laughs> I, li- I like food. That's fine. But the, the, the lust means it consumes you. It controls you. It, 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 it calls to you. You don't call to it. it. It drives you. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, that means you're always wanting more, always looking for more, always seeking more, and the pride of life. These things don't come from the Father because the world and its desires, there's that word, will pass away. But whoever does the will or desire... 
Whoever does the desire, whoever adopts the desire of God lives forever. Dear children, this is the last hour. You've heard the Antichrists are coming. Even now many have come. This is how we know it's the last hour. In other words, time is, time is short. And so this is how he's bringing this thing to a close. In verse, let's go ahead and go to verse 26. He says, I'm writing, uh, uh, I'm, I'm writing to you these things uh, to, uh, about those who are trying to lead you astray. For you have an anointing that you received from him remains in you, and you don't need anyone to teach you. In other words, uh, the, the, the Gnostics, they, they were coming alongside of the gospel, and they were saying, yeah, Jesus is good, but you also need special knowledge. And they called it secret wisdom, special knowledge, secret wisdom. In order to transcend your humanity, Jesus isn't enough. You have to also uh, come into the secret knowledge with us. And if you can get the secret knowledge, what you know in your head will lift you up. And, and what, what, what John is saying, he says, you don't need anybody to teach you some new secret knowledge. You don't need anybody to teach you because the anointing that you have, in other words, the Spirit of God has already taught you. And it remains in you. You don't need anyone to teach you. But as His anointing teaches you about all things, and His anointing is real, it's not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in Him. Remain. I want to spend a couple of minutes on that word because he, he says, I want you to remain in Him. And then He says, now, dear children, I want you to continue in him so that when he appears will not be ashamed he uses that word remain i believe it's three times and then he uses the word continue in the closing verses of this chapter it must be pretty important and this is something that i think is very important for us to come into alignment with when it comes to god's word it's great to step into god's word it's great to to to, to feel god's presence and to and to taste it but but, but the real power comes from when you remain, when you remain. And that, that, that word remain in the original context, it has, has three basic uh, implications. The first implication is uh, remain, it's a verb, uh, and the first implication is with respect to place. So it, is, it means very much what you're thinking, you stay. Like to remain means to stay in the same place. But what he's talking about, where should we remain? He's saying we should remain in Christ in Jesus. We should remain in Christ, not, not, not reaching out for this special knowledge, not looking around for some other special kind of technique or seven steps to that or 12 steps to this, but rather remain or stay in the circle, so to speak, of Christ. And so uh, the best way I can describe this is I think sometimes, and this might be sacrilegious, but it's just the way I think. I think sometimes Jesus is kind of like a couch, like a big, soft, fluffy, like art van couch, not the Ikea but like art vans or, you know, they, they make like furniture for really like big, like, like squishy and soft and plush. Like, have you ever just sat down into a couch that just kind of enveloped you, just kind of wrapped around you and you couldn't, you didn't even really want to get up. You just kind of like lay your head back and just started, started, you know, snoozing. I mean, it's great. Like when, when you find a really comfortable, sometimes I think that that's, that, that's kind of like Jesus. Jesus is like a couch in that, in that um, when, when, when you sit down or when you rest on him, you shift your weight right, from your own legs. You shift your weight from your own self, and you will put all of your weight on him. And this is what it means, I think, in some way, to stay in Christ. In other words, stay on the couch of Christ. Stay resting in him. Now, you can say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm resting in Jesus. But what happens is you, you, you're not resting in Jesus whenever you're deriving, whenever you're distributing the weight of your life to other things. So when you're deriving your, your peace or your security or your joy from other things, from people or from money or from jobs or from, or from the environment or the economy, whenever you're, 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 you're deriving, that, what that shows me is that you're, you're leaning on Jesus and this. Like you're, 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 you're sitting on Jesus, but you got your feet up on something else and you're leaning off on, on something else. And, and what, what he's saying is, is, I want you to stay in Christ only. I want you to stay in him alone because Jesus all by himself is enough. Let him hold you. Let him embrace you. Let your weight shift from your own legs or from, or from leaning on somebody else to actually falling back into him, sitting back into him, kicking back and resting in Jesus. That you don't need special knowledge. You don't need to go look anywhere else. You don't need, to, you don't need for these new teachers to give you new ways to God. But if you would just stay, if you would just rest, if you would just sit in Jesus, so to speak, then you would, then you would understand what it means to have the power of God in your life life when your when your spine is aligned it's actually at rest did you know that 
it's actually at rest when, when your spine is, when, it, when, it's, when it's out of alignment, all the muscles get really tense. And I can tell you exactly what that feels like. All the muscles get really tense all around it because all the muscles are trying to do what the spine is supposed to do. They're trying to pull it back. And it's just, just tension. And, and what, what, what he's saying is like, he's, he's like, you should let go of that tension. Let go of that thing that's gripping the spear, spirit of your spine. And just let, just, just let it rest in Jesus. Just let your spine come into alignment and stay in alignment. You don't, you don't need all the muscles doing all this other stuff. You just need to rest and trust and have faith and belief in the power of Jesus in your life. Let go of worry. Let go of fear. Let go of anxiety. Let go of the what ifs and the if onlys. Just just stop all of that. Just sit back and shift your weight from your own legs and let him take it. Let him take the pressure. Let him take the pressure of your life. Let him take the weight of your... That we, see, what, what, what we do, we don't want to trust one thing. So you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket, right? So we, so, so we kind of distribute. We got a little bit of weight over here. Got a little bit of weight in our, in, in our intellectualism. Got a little bit of weight in our, in our education. We got a little bit... Of, and we, we, we diversify the, the pressure of our lives. And we're, we're checking the dashboard all the time. And what John is saying, he's like, stop with the dashboard. It's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. It's him. He's the one. If you're in him, you're going to have peace. If you're in him, you're going to have healing. If you're in him, you're going to have hope. If you're in him, you're going to have rest. Lack of rest comes when you try to get on other stuff and lean on other stuff. Just fall back and let let him hold you. (laughs) Let him hold you. Stay in that place. Stay in that. Don't, don't. I don't know about you all, but I'm, I'm, I'm scared of heights. Um, when it comes to like uh, climbing things, now I love uh, skydiving because I have a parachute. So <laughs> I'm down with it if I got a parachute. But when I don't have a parachute, I don't like heights at all. And so, you know, I'll get on a ladder. If some of you are, are scared of heights, you'll understand. But, you know, you start off on a ladder like when it's on the ground, you just start like this. And you're like all confidently walking up that ladder. But the higher you get, right, the closer. Like to the ladder you get, and you kind of got to stick your butt out because your feet's got to be on there a little bit, and then and then like your left, like my left leg usually kind of wraps around it a little bit, and I'm kind of like this, and I'm I'm trying to climb like the next step. Like down here, I was like hum dee dum dee dum, but when you get up there, you're like okay, I think I can go one more ground up, a little more, and you're, you're like getting as close. Is, is this? Does anybody else do that, or is it just me? All right, somebody's willing to admit it. Good, tell the truth in church. Come on, somebody. <laughs> You know, you get like, you get like, and I think sometimes, you know, Jesus is, Jesus is like that. The higher you get with him, the closer you're going to need to get. Like, 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 like nobody has to tell me to read my Bible. I need to read my Bible. Like I, I, I need to hear from God because he's my ladder. Cause I'm so high up. If I try reaching out on anything else, I mean, there's nothing around me, but Jesus, there's nothing holding me up, but Jesus, there's nothing keeping me happy or healthy or whole or sane for crying out loud. Except Jesus. I mean, if I start leaning on other stuff, I'm going to go crazy. I need Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm holding on to him for dear life. There's no way I'm going to let go. There's no, like, so, so, so it takes it out of religion. So religion says, no, no, you have to do these things because otherwise you're going to get in trouble. No, like I, I feel that. Like I, I know I got to talk to him today. I know I got to come to church. I know I need worship in my life. I know I need, I need devotion in my life. Nobody has to come along and tell me, now how many minutes did you pray and read today? Because, because I'm holding on to the, the ladder. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's everything I got. Everything. It's every Jesus is a couch and a ladder. Put that on your bumper sticker. <laughs> uh, number two, uh, with respect to um, uh, state. So to remain means to to stay with respect to place. It also means to stay with respect to state. Now this is interesting because uh, he's talking to them. And he's warning them against these false doctrines that would have them rely on themselves. And I've seen this. I've seen this over and over and over again. I see it in my own life that it's like, you know, when you first come to God, like you're desperate, you're hungry. You're so humble because you need God. I mean, you're ready. You're ready to just tell anybody and everybody, I need God. I need God. I just need him. You need him. And then you come to him and that's good. I wish is that people would stay that way. Because it doesn't take too long. Before you become a spiritual expert. And then you start judging other people. Who are in the same place you were in like four months ago. You know, I mean, seriously. 
It's amazing how quickly we graduate. Like we start off freshmen and like five minutes later, like we've already graduated and we know we're like, we're good. Oh man, we're good. Oh, everything's good. Everything's good with me. Everything's great with me. It's like, what? Okay. Uh, because just a couple of months ago, you, you were not like, really? Are you sure? Yeah, oh, everything's great. It's amazing how we lose that humility. And we lose that hunger. And we wonder... Okay, here's another one. If Jesus is like a couch and a ladder, my final thing is Jesus is like the sky. If you're going to stay in him, you're going to have to do what it took to get to him to stay in him. Right? So if, if an airplane like takes off and flies in the sky, um, if it decides to stop flying, it is no longer going to be in the sky. <laughs> it is going to be on the ground. If a bird launches from the ground and flies up into the sky and the bird decides to stop flying, that bird is not going to stay in the sky. It's going to come back down to, because the very thing that the bird had to do to get it off the ground is the very thing it has to continue to do to stay in the sky. If you want to stay in Jesus, <laughs> that same humility you had when you came to him, you got to somehow keep that. You have to remind yourself that you haven't reached everything. You, you haven't graduated. You're no, you don't know everything. You're not in a position to judge. You're not in a place to point fingers. You still need God just as much as you ever did. You got to get to that place where I'm in the sky, but I got to stay in this. I got to stay in Jesus. I got to go higher. I got to go further. Look, look, look. I mean, just, just, just because you met him doesn't mean you know him, all right? He is, he is all-encompassing. You can spend an eternity learning about him all throughout eternity. And you'll never find the end of him. He's deeper than the ocean. He's higher than the sky. If you could go through the sky and go into the universe, the ever-expanding universe, you would not reach the limit of Christ. Stay in him. Tell the person next to you, say, just, 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 just keep flying. Just keep flying. Just go a little higher. Just keep flying, keep flapping your wings and all that jazz. You got like that same hunger that you started with, man. You gotta, you gotta keep that. You gotta keep, keep hungry. The final, the final aspect of this word "remain" is uh, with respect to time. In other words, uh, 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 to remain means number one, to stay in the same place. Number two, stay in the same state of mind. And number three, stay in the same place and state of mind for an extended period of time. What John's saying is this could take a while. <laughs> you all look so thrilled about that. <laughs> well, amen. Glory to God, Pastor Harry. I will shout you down for that. Now, no one's throwing hankies at me now. Uh, it's... Uh, Oh, you guys aren't from those churches. Well, anyway, I've preached at a place where they threw hankies at me, and it was fun. You should try it. <laughs> Clean hankies. Because I might pick it up and give it back to you. It's going to take a while, this whole thing called walking with Jesus, called staying in Jesus. It could take a while. It could, I don't know, maybe the rest of your life. <laughs> it could take a while. You have to prepare yourself for that. You have to prepare yourself for, for time. Sometimes we, 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 we understand that, but we subconsciously think, well, I don't really have to, you know, like go, go full on, like, you know, for all the time. I'll just, just take a breather, take a breath. And that's true. There's some good times to rest and to take a vacation and go to New Zealand, babe. There's always, always, always a good time for that. Um, <laughs> not too much, though. Uh, but, but, but if you're going to really come into alignment with God, you're going to have to put some time behind, behind your flying, <laughs> behind your resting. You're going to have to give it some time. We were reading, we were reading uh, uh, with the men's group, a little plug for the men's group on Thursday nights, uh, Jeff Fish teaching through the book of Joshua. We just went through the first chapter, so if you want to join us, it's not too late. Um, and really, we just read the first, we, we read a chapter and then we talk about it. And one of the things that we read and that just stuck out uh, to Robbie, uh, and, then, and, then, and then I stole it from Robbie, um, is, uh, 
is, uh, and it, I, I think I have the scripture there if you want to put it up, Joshua chapter 1. I just want to read, this is, this is a passage in the Old Testament where God is commissioning Joshua to lead his people into the promised land, all right? They're, they're, they're in the desert. God says, I'm going to take you into the promised land. This is what he says. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. He didn't have any parents. Uh, Moses, church joke, people. Come on, somebody. Don't you pagans? Uh, <laughs> Uh, verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all his people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. And this is, this is the key verse. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. Now, I've heard, like, I've, I grew up in church, so I get all the church jokes, and why I think they're funny. Um, uh, and I'll pray for you all, that you, that you, that you come, on, come on into the Jesus side of things. Um, we are actually going to do, do a, a Sunday where we do all hymns, and I think that's going to be fun. So we're going to teach you all some, some hymns, and Dallas is going to rock, rock that out. But um, uh, I've always heard preachers preach this, and they'll, and they'll say things like, they'll, they'll say, they'll, I heard one preacher say, see, all Joshua had to do was go for a walk. Just go for a walk. Everywhere, everywhere you walk is what it says. Every place that your foot, everywhere you walk, I'm going to give you. And I've often wondered, okay, if the people of Israel knew about this little promise, what was Joshua doing fighting battles? Like, he's wasting his time. He needs to be Johnny Appleseed out there walking, like, everywhere. Like, go walk back to Egypt, walk over there. I mean, just walk. Go take a 10-year road trip. No driving. Just walking everywhere, Joshua. How would you just go do that? I often wonder that. I was like, this is, seems like a good strategy to me. If every place you walk is going to be yours, hey, let's walk all over. You know, I hear preachers, you got to walk on your promise. You got to just walk and take a walk on your promise. And, and, and you know, and there's some truth to that. There's some truth to that, that, you know, sometimes you do just need to step out. Sometimes stepping out is a big part of your victory. Sometimes because you don't step out, you don't see God come through for you because you don't ever trust him in stepping out. So, I mean, go ahead, step out. If that's for you, take it and run with it. And God bless you. And we had to step out. We had to step out when we planted City Chapel. We had to step out from where we were and then try something new every once in a while. We didn't know if it was going to work or if anybody was going to show up, but here you are. And you can step out. And God will come through for you. But that's not really what he says. He says, every place the sole of your foot shall tread, not step. Now, that word tread is exactly what it sounds like, tread. It's the same word that, it was, that was used uh, in ancient times whenever they were making bow, like, like a bow, like for bow, a bow and arrow. Uh, you, would, you, would, you, would, you would whittle down a strong stick so that it was bowed and then you would you would cut you would notch treads in the top to be able to lace it to put the string on top and string on the and you sit there and you you cut you cut treads this is what that word means it means to consistently pack down the dirt <laughs> in other words you're never going to possess what you just wander into you're never going to possess what you stumble on god's never going to give you what you try you know, the old college try, Hail Mary. That's, that's not what he's saying. He says every place that you walk consistently tread. You walk yesterday that place, you walk today that place, and you walk tomorrow on that same place. You make a tread. You force a tread in the dirt. You create a groove in the, in, in the earth. And every place that you tread, every place that you purposefully march in the same formation day in and day out, that is what I will give to you. In other words, you might say, well, you know, I tried going to church. It didn't really do anything. Well, try again. I read the Bible. I didn't really understand. Read it again. I prayed. Nothing happened. Pray again. Well, I believed it didn't come true. Well, believe again. Well, I had hope and my hopes were broken. Well, have hope again. I trusted and it didn't work out. Trust again. Married and it didn't work. Well, try again. Valentine's Day. Come on, somebody. You got it. You got it. Like, you got to walk this thing. You got to tread. You got to make some treads in your life. You've, you've created enough bad treads. You've created enough bad habits. The same thing. You always respond. Stop. Stop those treads. Start making some godly treads in your life. Start walking around some Jerichos every once in a while. It doesn't fall down the first time, the second time, the third time, the fifth time, the sixth time. It falls on the seventh time. You got to just make that tread and walk and walk and walk and walk. It's called remaining. 
called remaining with respect to time. I'm going to walk this thing out. I'm going to walk this marriage out for as long as it takes. I'm going to walk this church plant thing out for as long as it takes. I'm going to get up and drive a truck for as long as it takes. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not interested in just simply doing it once and seeing if that works. I'm, I'm going to walk it, and then I'm going to walk it, and then I'm going to walk it. I'm going to make some treads in my life that there's going to be a track that God can bless that track, that every place that I make tread that he'll give me, every place that I walk on and walk on and walk on and walk on, he'll give me that. He'll give me victory for every persistent prayer. He'll give me victory for every persistent act of kindness. Not, not just helping one homeless person, but how about you make it a consistent thing in your life that you are going to make some treads in your life that God can give you possession over. You'll never possess what you wander around and try and, well, maybe you'll just give this a shot. <laughs> That's not remaining. If you want to remain in Jesus, you're going to have to walk this thing for a little while. And it'll feel good some days, and it'll feel weird other days, and it'll be, you'll look like you're winning some days. It'll look like you're losing some days. But I promise you that he will give you every place that you tread, every bit that you notch, everything. It takes a while to notch something out. You know what I'm saying? To notch a new groove in your, in your routine, in your habit, in your mind even, to have, to have a new groove lining up in your mind that as soon as somebody says something against you, you don't instantly go to defend yourself. You say, I'm going to set a new groove and I'm going to set a new tread in my mind. I'm going to let Jesus defend me because I'm sitting in him. He's my couch. And if they're going to say something against me, I'm going to let him deal with that. I'm leaning on him. I don't need their approval. I don't need my, my new tread is going to start in my mind instead of trying to defend myself and, and get to Facebook. And, and you're not even defending yourself on Facebook. It's like, somebody said this and they're not even my friend on Facebook. They're not going to read it. Hey, I'm like, come on, somebody. Like, get out of that tread. Yeah, that's a bad tread. It's leading you away from God. Get unset a new tread in your mind it's called alignment I'm just kind of kind of cracking your neck a little bit it's popping them just because you'd be amazed when you start making these treads in your life how the how the the information from god just just shoots into that area and it shoots into your marriage and shoots into your kids and shoots into your workplace and and your finances you need to set some new treads in your finances. You need to cut up some credit cards, and somebody's doing that this week, actually. I was excited about that. You get out of that. Get Stop this generational thing that you just, just well, you know, well, what are the payments? Who cares what the payments are? That's not the question. You know, get out of that tread. Step into, step into a godly tread. I want to I wanna, I wanna, I wanna wrap up here. <laughs> I did want to get into chapter 3. And uh, so, so I'm just going to read this, and this will be my altar call to you right here. From, from John to you. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And, oh, man, oh, I wish I could preach that. Uh, <laughs> I'll preach that next week. And this we are, he says. The reason the world doesn't know us is that it didn't know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we will see him as he is. And all who have this hope in, in, in him purify themselves just as he is pure. So you purify yourself out of hope. You align yourself out of hope, not out of guilt, shame. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, don't let anyone lead you astray. The one that does what is right is righteous. <laughs> well, come on, somebody. Just as he is righteous. In other words, your righteousness is not in your head. <laughs> it's in your life. Your spouse is going to know about it. Your kids are going to know about it. Your coworkers are going to know if you're really following Jesus. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the very beginning. But the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And I would add in your life to break it, to stop that tread. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. So the way that you can remain in Christ is if you allow him to remain in you. We could preach remain, remain, remain and, and, and stir you up to be like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that this week. And... Uh, but really what we're talking about is a heart transformation. We're talking about being so filled with God that you're not desiring those other things. 
this past week, um, I crashed hard. I got a, I got a flu, like a fever and stuff. And, and I went, I went home after church. I preached to you all and barely made it. And, uh, and then I went to pick up the signs and I, I stopped to get a sign and I forgot to get out to get the sign, the road sign. <laughs> and I drove back around the freeway and I'm like, oh man, the homeless guy was like, I saw you stop there and you didn't get it. And I'm like, yeah, I said, man, I'm, I'm feeling bad. You know, I'm trying to drive. My eyes are like, you know, I should not have been allowed to drive. <laughs> and I got home and I just, I, I just sat back in the, in, in the couch of Jesus and I was out, you know, I was like dead to the world and I slept through the first half of the Super Bowl. That was a big deal. And, um, I was like, oh man, I wonder what, so I'm laying there on my bed, like with my laptop, watching the, watching the cow, watching the Bronco, sorry, um, watching the Bronco <laughs> and the winner of the Super Bowl is, um, I'm watching the Broncos, you know, decimate Cam Newton. And, um, and I was just, I was kind of happy for that. And, um, you know, but man, that night I just like fever started building up and I was just out. I didn't get like out of bed till uh, Thursday. It's the first time that I walked around. Um, standing up, you know, and you're kind of all dizzy and stuff. And uh, on Monday, it was a bummer because it was my last week with my family because they were taking off Thursday. And um, and I remember on Monday, I was just like, you know, you're kind of trying to think and your brain's not really working. And uh, but I but I had this thought that I think was not of God. It was uh, <laughs> it was a thought that was like, you know, um, like why do I have to be sick right now? You ever had that thought? Like, I got a lot to do, you know? Like, so, like seriously, I, like, you might not know this, but I do work other days than Sunday, okay? Like, I, I get stuff done up in here, I'll tell you that. Um, I got a lot of stuff to do, and I got my family to hang out with, and I, I'm, I'm not going to see them for two weeks. And, you know, I kind of had a little self-pity kind of thing. And then, and then I had the thought, and I thought, man, but isn't it awesome I still got to preach on Sunday? Like, God let me preach on Sunday, and then he just let me, like, crash and burn. And, uh... And I had a little thought, I was like, gee, God, I wish you wouldn't let me crash and burn afterward, you know. But my response was real simple. I was like, I was like, no, you know, we, we want what's best for him. I had that, this statement, I don't think it's a scripture, but I, I just recognized the inside of me was, a, was in alignment with Jesus. That Jesus and me want what's best for Jesus. That Jesus and me are willing to sacrifice what's best for me as long as I can do what's best for Jesus, that we want what's best for him. And that's my prayer for all of you, that even if you're sick, fever, and you're laying there staring at the sky trying to wonder what's going on, that you would say, we want what's best for him. We, you and, you and Jesus, have come into an agreement that if your life can serve what's best for him, then it's worth it. It's good. And it doesn't matter if you get to see your family. It doesn't matter if, if, you're, if you're sick for five days. It doesn't matter. Like, if, if, we, if, we, if, we, if we can make things good for him, if we can bless him, if we can do what he wants, then, then, then we're good. We're happy with that. We're pleased. We're awesome. Set. Awesome. Great. Fine. I'll be out. I'll, I'll catch up work some other way. We'll make it happen. We'll work late. We'll get up early. It'll, 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 it'll happen. It's not, it's not, not going to fall through the cracks. But, man, we are concerned about what is best for him. And that's my prayer for you. You'd be so filled with God that his spirit would remain in you so much that you would come into agreement with him, that him and you would both be primarily concerned with what's best for him. <laughs> like, like every day. And I'm not telling you that to tell you like I'm so holy and everything, but I'm just telling you that after, after, after staying in him place, after staying in the condition of hunger for him, and after doing this for about 30 years now of my life, you get to a place where it just comes natural. You get to a place that what you are concerned about is making sure that he's doing good. And when he's doing good, it's like, okay, uh, you know, fine. Toss, toss me to the side. <laughs> I'll just sit here and recover. It's all good. Lord, you let me preach. And it's good. But it starts with accepting him into your life and making that decision. So I'm going to give you that opportunity this morning. Let's all.